Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting from Matrix on the 19th of September 2012. Newcomers, as always, you should make good use of Cutting through the Matrix.com website. You'll see a bunch of sites listed. These are the official sites. They all carry audios for download. They all carry transcripts in English for print-up. And if you want other languages uh, to, for print-up, go into alanwattsentinel.eu and take your, your choice there. Now, Remember, too, you're the audience that bring me to you, and you make a lot of use of these uh, audios and, and so on that I've done over the years. There's over, over a thousand of them, and, and people across the world download them. But remember, too, that you bring me to you, because I'm not backed, basically, by advertisers or, or corporations or anything like that, selling products, etc. Uh, I, I get nothing at all for what I do, except from you, who buy the books, hopefully, and discs at cuttingthroughmedias.com. And that really, it's not a one hour a day. You, you think it's a one hour a day job. This is not a one hour a day job at all. I have to discover all the news myself, see what's rubbish, see what's put out there for you to, to debate and argue about. Because media, all media members, is basically weaponized. Always has been. And I have to decide what's worthy of talking about and then explaining the spins and, and twists in it and why even these articles are out there in the first place. So it's an all day job, basically. Every day of the week. So I need your support. And as I say, you can buy the books and discs. Otherwise, I could sit and write books forever and just uh, do that. But I'm doing this instead, putting these free shows out for you. So anyway, remember, too, you can buy the books and discs from the U.S. to Canada by using personal checks or international postal money orders. Or you can use um, cash or use PayPal across the world, Western Union, MoneyGram, and PayPal once again. And straight donations are awfully Welcome in these tough times. But we live in a, an incredibly, it's not really a complicated world. The only thing that's complicated is in your mind because you've been brainwashed from birth and your parents were too and your grandparents that somehow you had freedoms and rights, etc. And that the guys who run the world for you and run the country for you really are there on your behalf uh, uh, to, to basically answer to you. What a joke that is. I have never seen government ever uh, listen to the people. Never. What they do, mind you, because it's a big agenda, and they have lots of parts of the agenda, they listen to special interest groups. Generally, that's meant to wreck society. That's the purpose of the agenda. You've got to wreck all cultures to make a global society. Understand? And we're living through this. That's why our government goes off in the weirdest tangents when all chaos and hell is breaking loose and promote certain things that, that, that are absurd, absolutely absurd. When your, your banking system is crashing, you've got inflation all over the place, this, this prices are skyrocketing, folks are losing, losing their homes, have no jobs because your government's transferred them overseas. They've forced every company off overseas and paid for it too with your tax money. But you see, so you're, you're living in a delusion. only works because everyone else has had the same indoctrination as yourself. 
So get, get it through your head. Government has never been there to serve you. I hope you realize that. That's a real shocker for, for a few people who do break through into the light of understanding. Is the government's never been there to serve the, pu- the public, the general public. In fact, definitely not the general public, the majority of the people. You're run by gangs. Gangs have always existed. And the gangs don't walk around like the broken noses and so on you see in the movies, little hard men, the enforcers. The gangs have guys who go to the best universities, come from, from very wealthy families, and they know how to run the system and the world and you. I think that's the music coming in, so we're back with more after this break. Hi folks, I'm back, cutting through the matrix, talking about the big system. And it truly is a big system. An old system, a system that was designed to con every generation uh, into an idea called democracy. And make them believe it too. Even though you've never seen a, a, a single example of it working, you still have been taught to believe in it, that you've got somehow you've got rights. Do you really believe that you have rights? What have you been living in openly since 9-11, 2001? Tell me. And you want to get back to what? To, 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 the, to the quieter phase when they didn't need all the heavies to enforce the fact that you have no rights. But you still really didn't have rights then either. That's the system. That is the real system that you're living in. You're given fake history, watching old dramas with the Victorian eras and so on, and all that rubbish. Most folk lived in factory towns, for God's sake. That's a real history of the whole of Europe and of the U.S. They weren't cowboys. They were not cowboys. The cowboy era was a very short-lived period. And there was only two main big droves ever done. And then and came the trains, and that was the end of that. Most folk were living in factory towns. All the immigrants were shopped off in factory towns. But Hollywood gave you a fake history. There's even a movie they put out themselves about it, Hollywoodism, place of their own, how they gave you your culture. They even claimed you had no culture before they did it. From all the top producers and their, their offspring talking about it. But the fiction sounds great. The fiction sounds wonderful. In the 1800s, you had the top bankers on the planet, international moneylenders from across Europe, mainly from Germany, came into Britain, got titles such as Lord and Sirs and so on, and they formed the Milner Group, and they also attached themselves to the to the Rothschild and, uh, uh, group and other groups as well. And they became the Royal Institute for International Affairs, a private, still private organization that designs the course of history for themselves and this world destination of globalism with themselves. And academia, not all academia, but certain academia, on board with them to manage all of it. And they've been creating wars in their own personal histories, because they have their own history for their own society. They actually tell you about the fomenting of wars and how it's necessary to bring change 
the directed change. And they've had them. Before World War I, they were fomenting in their own publications to get war with Germany. Even though most of them came from Germany, they were kind of German, put it that way. And they got a royal charter to exist, meaning the elite, the private organization that runs everything, owns everything, um, gave them a royal charter to do what they had to do. That puts them above everything, above all laws that govern the, 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 the little plebes down below. And then they created the Council on Foreign Relations for other countries that wouldn't like the idea of royalty running them, or royal charters. And they have this organization all across the world now, even in China, and Australia, New Zealand, India, everywhere. Picking and putting in their own prime ministers, presidents. And they have been doing this, according to their own historian, Carol Quigley, for a hundred years. And he also wrote a great book, as this is called The Anglo-American Establishment. Now, don't get confused with places. It's not the British. It's not the Americans. And that t- tends to obfuscate the people who are doing it, of course, who are already international, always were. And they had this big idea for, and their old books actually talked about Pan-American Union. This is the first name they gave this integration of the Americas. We're still under it today, going through it. And then Pan-European. Then didn't go over too well, even after two war wars that they brought on. And so they brought in the common market idea. It's all to do with free trade and, and so on. And same as the Americas, free trade. But it's back to the Pan stuff again, you see. Because they know everybody's so stupid and ignorant. They've had rubbish for schooling in the last 30, 40 years. So they can bring back the old terms. Five of the six biggest EU countries back plans, which include pan-European foreign ministry and, and majority voting to bypass the UK veto. So Germany's foreign minister, Guido Westerwell, who launched the EU proposals, which include a pan-European police body, they want to do with all your national police and have just European police, and a possible single army, you see. Five of the six biggest countries in the EU, excluding Britain, have called for a radical overhaul of European foreign and defence policies to create a powerful new pan-European foreign ministry, Majority voting on common foreign policies to buy, this is not the people majority, this is all those politicians from all those ex-nations, to bypass a British veto, a possible European army, a single market for the EU defence industries. The German-led push, supported by 11 of 27 EU countries, embraces recent calls in Berlin and Brussels for a directly elected European president, sweeping new powers for the European Parliament, and further splitting of the EU by creating a new parliamentary sub-chamber for the 17 countries of the Eurozone. It really doesn't matter for the people, because you see they're already ruled privately by a bunch of folk at the top they don't elect. They still call it democracy, yeah. While the call for a European army was not supported by all 11, the document also calls for a new European police organization to guard the, nation, the Union's external borders and for a single European visa. They want to abolish all the national visas and even passports. 
nine months of brainstorming over the future of Europe by the foreign ministers of the living countries launched by Guido Westerville, uh, the German foreign minister, has resulted in a 12-page document crammed with policy recommendations. It will prove hugely contentious and, if implemented, will increase the pressure on Britain to quit the EU. No, they won't quit it. Oh, oh, remember, I said the Royal Institute for International Affairs is the main group in London that, that have had this planned a hundred odd years ago. Into the global society, first create the regions, the complete supported financially and so on, the Soviet Union through its whole existence, and, and, and they're still running it today. They run all your media, television, and a print. So of course they want it. Doesn't matter what they tell their own people back home, they'd really want it. To make the EU into a real actor on the global scene, we believe that we should be in the long term, introduce more majority decisions in the common foreign and security police or policy sphere, or at least prevent one single member state from being able to obstruct initiatives. They call it initiatives the abolition of sovereignty. This is aimed for a European defence policy with joint efforts regarding the defence industry, the creation of a single market and armaments projects. What a contract that will be for the big boys, eh? For some members of the group, this could eventually involve a European army. The backers include Germany, France, Italy, Spain, Poland, five of the six biggest EU countries, omitting Britain. The Netherlands, Belgium, Denmark, Austria, Portugal and Luxembourg also signed up. The recommendations include more incendiary steps, including a proposal to reopen and change European treaties by majority voting because getting consensus in a union of 27 or 28 has become too slow, acrimonious and unwieldy. Apart from the stiff resistance from Britain, it's just a show. It's just a show, folks, and Britain, don't believe it. You know that yourselves. Remember what I said before, they say in their own histories they have put presidents and prime ministers into every country. That hasn't been an exception for a hundred years. So it says, which would veto a European army and refuse to take parts in foreign policies and which you disagreed. The proposals are likely to prompt a turf war in the European Commission because they'd strip several departments of powers and resources, concentrating them in the EU's relatively new diplomatic service headed by Catherine Ashton, which is a kind of Britain, I suppose. A kind of Britain. The document demanded a substantial revision of the powers of the European Action Service by next year, streamlining it and giving authority over the development, energy, trade and enlargement currently vested in other parts of the Commission. If realised, the changes would produce a European foreign ministry with much more muscle. You understand, these are the boys who started this CFR, Royal Institute for International Affairs idea. They were international bankers, still are, at the very top. These are the guys who lend to nations, lend a lot of nothings and get, get us a lot of somethings back. And their idea is monopolization of everything, including countries. And that's no different to them when they look at all the countries. It's monopolization. They monopolize a whole lot. And just when they, when they, when they merge, uh, um, corporations together, they merge countries together. It's the same strategy by the same people. I've, I've mentioned before, eventually you'll have one place in the world, one vegetable uh, corporation, like Monsanto or somebody, one of them. I think out of the five today worldwide, I think they're all one, myself already. I really do think that. I don't think it's any competition at all. And there'll be one that will handle something else and one that will handle something else. They want one, 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 one for everything. 
everything that you need to exist on. One water corporation across the world. One electric power corporation across the world. This is the big idea. So odd too, isn't it? So odd and strange that Lenin talked about the same idea too, isn't it? Because aren't they supposed to be opposing each other? Capitalism, communism, who's kidding who? The same boys put their own guys in. They simply called it communism. And and they monopolized the the, the powers, uh, the reins of power in the Soviet Union until they supposedly pretended to collapse it. This is a real world, folks. It's a real world. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, I'm back cutting through the matrix and and just seeing it like it is. And you're always giving your arguments on television, always bringing at least two experts on that have a a, a different opinion and you will take one, the left one and the right one, depending on who you happen to like, their opinion and that becomes your opinion. It's an old, old contract and it works awfully well. You've been trained to listen to what you think are experts. And they said to do that too. Lord Burton Russell said that's how we'll train the public. He said that back in the 1940s. They've done it. Their whole present was mapped out back then, including all the cultural changes and crises you'd face as they push all this forward at this particular part of time. He helped set all this up. Including all the breakup of families, everything else, for the new society. He helped set it all up. He spelled it out for everyone. And folk keep, you know, they, they would read the books at the time. Oh, I don't believe they'd do that. What do you mean you don't believe they'd do it? They can do anything they want, and they do do it. You see them going to the world meetings at the United Nations every year, departments of population. It used to be, uh, used to be called control, population control. Now they just call it population. But it's still about control. What do you think control means? Do you think they just go there and have their, their big slap-up meals and all that? But then all those things that they assign have nothing to do with you. World meetings, world meetings for goodness sake. No, they find ways to reduce the population and they put them into effects. Many of them are covert because they know, and I've said it in even the geoengineering forecasts, that the public uh, would turn on them if they knew the effects of the poisons coming down. That's just one way of doing it. But, but, Lord Bertrand Russell talked about using the needle as well. He says we shall use the needle, and also to dumb us down, he did use the needle, attach your brain. Every child that gets MNR, measles, mumps, and rubella, ends up with a fever. Where is it situated? It's in your head. What's inside your head? It's called a brain. That's where the inflammation is. What does inflammation do? It kills cells off. Is that rocket science? Then lots of them end up with autism afterwards, as you all know. And Russell said they'd do all these things. He also said they'd use techniques and and weaponry against the public that would be too irresistible not to use for for controlling you as well. And he was put in charge of the Macy Group and a whole bunch of other groups that came out, mainly from Germany and Vienna and other places where these guys have been working on this society for hundreds of years. 
how superior types should rule the world. You know, academics and guys that to their own people would say were, were geniuses. You can make anybody a genius with enough publicity. They've done that in the past with Einstein and other people. That's reality. That's reality. It's like making a star. You make anybody a star. If you get the proper people in to do it. And they will make you a star. Doesn't matter what kind of star it is. If you can't sing, it doesn't matter. You know, fix it out in the studios. Anything that's flat or sharp, the computers will do it all for you. Doesn't matter. Now, airlines are holding parents hostage, it says. New charges aim to separate families who don't shell out exorbitant sit-together fees. See, we're hostages in everything now, you see. New priority seating fees for aisle, window and legroom seats puts the pinch on families in flight. If two or more relatives want to sit together, they have to pay the fee, an extra fee, or fight the flight attendant to be together. And, uh, and even the children can get split up from you as well. More and more families are falling victim to greedy airlines' priority seating fees, which means families of three or more are charged an arm and a leg if they want to sit together. And it gives you examples of some of them that this happened to and what happens. So this is Ms. Paris called customer service to fix what she thought was simply a mistake because they separated them all on the plane. And they demanded they were demanded $60 for him to sit in a three-hour flight with his child because one seat was a priority spot, even though he'd already paid for three seats together. It doesn't matter. See, what I'm trying to tell you is when, when you see monopolization, monopolization, and monopolization, it's called power, monopolization of power. Interdependence, for instance, means it means you are completely dependent on those who have the power or the food or the water or the energy. But they will not allow you to have any independence. This is how this con game works. And nothing's changed in society. At one time they had unions really pushing, pushing, pushing. And yeah, a lot of the unions did go communist, there's no doubt about it. Or they got infiltrated by communists and, and for other purposes. But the fact is, up until then, people were treated like they were in the Dickens day. Even in the 20th century, it was the same thing. In every country. And then they came up with this great thing. Oh, you don't really need unions anymore because we've evolved since then. Everyone's become more enlightened. Property owners, I'm talking about corporations. They become more enlightened and decent people. And they put an awful lot of money into convincing you through marketing that they're awfully decent now. But they're just the same as they've always been. Greedy. Sometimes even murderers, because they do this. What was it that Kissinger said once about Bangladesh, when they were starving over there? He says, just because people are starving isn't good, any good reason to feed them. You see, he said, as long as they're on board with American foreign policy, he's talking about the corporations going over and plundering, then they may get some food. Otherwise, starving wasn't a reason just to feed people. You better get these things through your head. Hasn't changed, folks, with Monsanto and all the other boys. Back with more after this. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth.
backwards and backward, cutting through the matrix and just talking about the world as it really is. And that's how it really is. It's a nasty place. Nasty because big gangs took over a long, long, long time ago. And when they took over, they're awfully good about it because it's still, because they're masters in marketing, they own marketing companies. They've had, they've understood, they've been studying people for millions of years, you understand. Traders have always been doing that. Traders have to study the populations as they travel through them in order to sell, make them want things, you see. And that became marketing. That's how it, that's how it happened and evolved. And now it's all science, of course. Call them sciences. But they constantly are at you uh, to do change your ways and, and, and change your way of looking at things. Perception management is called. You see, your perception should be wild like a wild person. Literally a wild person. Charles Galton Darwin says, we the elite are wild. He says we shall alter the brains of all the rest of the people down below. The little people, you see. Because they won't need their brains anymore. The state will be making all their decisions for them. But we, the elite, he says, will not use the stuff that we're using. He's talking about chemicals and estrogens, various other things, hormones, on the public to dumb them down. He says, we can't do that because we will be the captains steering the ship Earth, you see, meaning the future. They They have to be with it. They have to be with it, compos mentos. And are completely aware of what's going on at the moment to survive. The public won't need that because government agencies are doing it all for you. And experts, you see. And they've dumbed their one down by poisons. Literally poisons. You have to read his book, The Next Million Years. He goes through it. These people don't prattle off the top of their heads and make wish lists for Father Christmas. They attend world meetings and they implement things. Obviously, they're not going to get volunteers from the population. So they simply do it to you. And you're always taught, oh, it's just a mistake. This poison happens to be in plastic. And then, of course, we'll go to ban the plastics or giving you breasts, for instance, if you're a guy. And then they'll cancel it again. So another test has come out and found out it's okay and it's back on the shelves again, etc., etc., etc. And you believe all this stuff. Now, economic war has always been used by the big boys because not only were, were they, see, they're merchant bankers. They were the merchandisers and the bankers. That's why you have merchant banks. All the big banks side of it is merchant banks. Still call them that in Britain, some of them. And they have to, they, 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 merchant bankers own the trade routes and all that comes into your country. They tell the governments what to allow in the country, what to ban any competition. They ban it. And that's what free trade's all about, you see. It's monopolization of a few of their own corporations that are allowed to trade. That's what they call it, free trade. Everything's double-speak, you see. And economic warfare is a big, big part of it, too. You hear about the embargoes they've had in different countries as they starve them to death before we go in and slaughter them across the Middle East, one after another. And that's standard technique, too, economic uh, warfare. You, you, you grab their bank accounts, you stop them trading, and you hope they starve to death as you plunder them. And then the United Nations is allowed, of course, as we found out before, and the head guys are allowed to do oil for food things. I'll give you some food, but you've got to give us lots of oil for nothing. 
is they're doing this starvation thing. And you put up with it because you think it's all quite natural somehow. Because the better types that come out with special wombs are in charge. You know, they're superior to you. They must know what they're doing as they line their own pockets. They've been at this forever. They've brought on world wars by embargoes. Do you understand that? Did you know, did you know that? A few powerful people can tell countries, stop trading with so-and-so, put an embargo on them, and then you get wars breaking out. That's what happened to Germany. Private people, corporations told the governments what to do. And economic warfare has always been used. And of course, in this big world society, the groups that were sent out by the big bankers themselves, the Royal Institute for International Affairs, have many, many names and fronts because that's how they run things, so you don't catch on. But in their own publications, if you go deep enough, you'll find the names of the organizations they set out. One for unifying Europe, another group for unifying the Americas, another group for the Pacific Rim region areas, and they set up modern-day China. China would still be, have the peasants making their own little iron piles, like, like little beehives they made to, to, to smell iron, rotten iron too, if we hadn't gone in there and given them all the factories and put your own factories over there, all that stuff. All your universities in the West trained their students as engineers, way in advance of the World Trade Organization uh, signing all the agreements and, and uprooting all your factories over to China. And you still think they're separate nations. So they, they get the war drums rattling once in a while to terrify you, thinking you're all still independent. This is an article here, for instance. Is, uh, the casually wonder whether the U.S. stands to lose more by supporting China or Japan in their escalating diplomatic spat, considering the threat of a U.S. Treasury sell-off is certainly not negligible. But it says here that... Um, from the Telegraph, it says Ambrose Evans Pritchard reports, based on recommendations by Jin Beson from the Chinese Academy of International Trade, says China is actively considering using its power as Japan's biggest creditor with $230 billion of bonds to impose sanctions on Japan in the most effective manner and bring Tokyo's festering fiscal crisis to a head. You understand Japan had a big, modern Japan was set up in theory, during World War II, when FDR's boys, who were all communists, by the way, communist capitalists because they were very wealthy communists, the, big, the, most, the wealthiest guys are communists, for those who haven't figured it out yet. It's a faster way of controlling the world for them. Anyway, he had a bunch of guys working on Japan. What are we going to do with Japan after World War II? We'll make it into an electronics capital and finance them. And run them, and we'll have all these military bases over there. But even then, at the end, if they didn't need them anymore, they'd bring them all down. Well, this is what's happening now. Because see, and since then, the same guys have built up China. And they're using economic warfare. They dump all your bonds from Japan, then Japan goes under. They're already weakened massively with, with what happened with the reactors going over there too. This is not by accident. It's happening now. But it's not China that's the boss. They do what they're told. The same, the same money boys own them, you understand. They set up and control China within, from within. Just like they controlled the Soviet Union from within. As you should the stunning recommendation be enacted, not only will it be the first time in world history that insurmountable credit is used as a weapon of retaliation, that's a lie, as been used before. 
It would mark a clear phase transition evolution of modern warfare from outright military incursion to FX wars to trade wars culminating with bond wars. That's all been done before, folks, in every major war we've had in the 20th century. This is not the first time at all. It's very common, actually. It's very common indeed. See, if you don't go along with a big gang at the top, this is what they do to you. And some countries still are, are pretty well nationalistic. Japan is one of them. That's to be destroyed, you see. See, nationalistic means you'll fight the big gang that tries to take over. This is all warfare. Another article, too, is from the Council on Foreign Relations, which is just one branch of the Royal Institute for International Affairs. I've put up the links before of all the members. They're experts that advise all governments. A private organization advises all governments. eh? That's quite the power to have, isn't it? And you can go through the names yourself and maybe think when you read all the names. I hope you think I do, because I can't do it for you. And this one, and so their own organization says Japan, China, and the tide of nationalism. So their their spin is that China is just getting its weight, feeling its weight, and because it's so wealthy now, because your boys that run all of you gave everything to China, all the factories and machining shops and and so on are all in China. So now they're feeling their muscle like they're really important. I said years ago, when all this was happening, many years ago, I said, why would your countries give everything, even even the ability to turn out tanks instead of cars, over to what technically is still a communist enemy country? Well, obviously, it's not an enemy country. And they're absolutely so certain that they can give everything away over there that they would have to be turned quickly in a, in a war situation into producing things to defend you, obviously. Obviously. Keep that in mind, folks, when you read all these articles that are out there. You'd never do it. The big boys are not stupid. Far, far from it. And they've done this before in wars, churning, uh, nationalizing and churning out weaponry and tanks and, and all these vehicles and aircraft. Within weeks of war starting, you would never give all that ability away to supposedly an enemy that still preaches communism and the end of all the elitist characters across the world, wiping a whole class out. Why would the same class that was going to get wiped out be supporting them and giving them everything that they need to attack you? Think about it. Think about it. You're living in eternal con games on your mind. Another article too is Federal Reserve, a privately owned banking cartel, has been given police powers. Well, that's old stuff, but the new stuff is really they've got their own police force now. It's more open than it has been before. I'll put this link up to you too. And actually, their, their own private police force, it's a private corporation, all private corporations, can can uh, arrest people for for any uh, U.S. crime, it says. So they've got all the powers of the regular police and actually more. This private company. Shouldn't surprise you since, again, it's owned by the same guys that own the CFR and at the top and the Royal Institute for International Affairs. And of course, too, we also have the French magazine portrays Mohammed 
uh, is naked in cartoons and is set to infuriate the Muslim world even further. Of course it is. Of course it is. Well, I won't make a big deal about it because it, it doesn't surprise me. You've got other intelligence agencies in on the act, and France is also part of this big world system. They like to pretend they're naval gazers and they're free and different from the rest, but no, they're not. They're owned by the same people. Look at their histories, their prime ministers, and you might, you'll find some interesting connections. But anyway, they're churning out the stuff to get the, this, all this uh, going, and then they can send, set out their, their Saudi Arabian infiltrators to start the, start the, the demonstrations to, to, to riot and so on. That's what they always do. Everything's worked out by agencies today. And France, of course, still hates the, the Arab world since they used to rule a lot of it, and they were kicked out eventually. And they want a lot of oil for themselves. That's why they would give them the privilege, the privilege for the first planes to bomb Libya, remember. That was an old retaliation there. NATO says, okay, you can have it, France. Set things right, you see. German government tells all users of the Internet Explorer to stop using it now, it says. Apparently there's real safety problems with it and there's no patch out, so I'll put this link up for those who don't know about it yet. And your computer can get taken over and the government's actually telling you to stop using it. And also put up to the EVS programs, EVS program areas, Environmental Science Division of the EVS. And it's a fascinating thing to see how these private organizations are running the world and parts of your government. And they're into everything, atmospheric climate research, environmental policy and planning for governments, integrated assessments, national security they're into, risk-based assessments, management, etc., etc. And stewardship, that's where they lead themselves. The, ones, the better ones can be stewards over the planet because you're just too simple and primitive and carefree to do it yourselves. That's what they say, you see. But they've got adaptive sampling analysis programs, Internet-based information management and communication, spatial analysis, and lots more. But the atmospheric and climate research is quite fascinating, what they're into. I'll put this link up tonight and go through, again, what this group is all into, all these private ones. We were run by private organizations. They're all one, they're all specialist parts of the one single group that run the world. That's all they are, specialist parts. Remember what Rockefeller says, that competition is a sin. They meant what they said. That means between nations, between corporations, between everything. So you get the appearance of things, the appearance of rights for the people, appearance of democracies, appearance of things, appearance of competition. There is no competition. And also an article up tonight too about the infanticide and murderous fanatics at the IMF and the link to abortion policy and the United Nations. That's an interesting article. It's factual. And how they're using everything to bring down populations. And tell us all, telling you that it's all your fault, you see. Carbon footprints, etc. Good little part of it says a carbon footprint can only be reduced by one method, and that's eradication of large amounts of feet on the planet's surface. Well, of course it does. So, anyway, we get this stuff, and then they try to rationalize it to us, you see, 
in very clever ways are worked out way in advance. Nothing spontaneous when they declare things to the public so that the arguments are all worked out in advance to bamboozle you, make it seem complicated until you lose track of the facts. They're trying to bring down the population of, well, you, you see. Bevan's big gangs too. You understand from the days of Dickens to, to the present time, rather than have revolutions every few years, they gave you voting. And the same group always gets in because in their own writings at the CFR, they say every president, I'll keep repeating this forever, every president and prime minister since the late 1800s has been a member of this organization. And you see, when they're brought into the organization, you can't apply to be a member. No, they approach you and really test you out. You must go along with all their policies and agree with all their future policies. And then they'll put you in. So you've already given allegiance to them, not the people when you run for politics. In stadium building spree, the U.S. taxpayers lose $4 billion. And it goes into the, the racketeering. It's all over the world, actually. It's not just in the States. It's in, it's in Canada, everywhere, where we pay for private corporations to have their big stadiums built. And, and I should have had the head of one of the U.S. states that I know. He's the uh, building, uh, basically the, the, the planner for the whole state. Who's who told me uh, the rackets are going on and how his state, by using an identical uh, company, the same company to build an arena, they built it next to the next state. Charged them twice as much. He says, all went in your pockets of the boys at the top. This is natural. You're run by crime. Organized crime. And you always have been. And their heavies today aren't just on the bottom. They wear, a lot of them wear uniforms, folks. Called armies and police. Back with more after this. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt, talking about the system, the big system, and it's a system, you should look at the meaning of system, the definition of it. And the big boys, is who set up the whole future that we're living through today, and the future to come, and they owned the past, of course, love to do something that's called revelation of the method. And, and it further confuses people trying to find the truth when they themselves come out and say something truthful, but it'll be gone again before you know it. You're back to what you believed before. And remember, too, when the Royal Institute for International Affairs set up uh, in the States under the CFR, and have the CFR of Europe now as well, they're on the whole planet now, uh, they came out with their own big news agencies and one of the main ones was, was the Times, the Times of India, Times of New York, New York Times, and Times of London, Times, 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 and lots of other newspapers as well, but Times is still there, and all that. And the Christian Science Monitor. So here it's from the Christian Science Monitor, as they give you a revelation of the method. Imminent Iran nuclear threat, a timeline of warning since 1979. Imminent nuclear threat, 1979. Breathless predictions that the Islamic Republic will soon be at the brink of nuclear capability or, or worse, acquire an actual nuclear bomb are not new. More than a quarter of a century, Western officials have claimed repeatedly that Iran is close to joining the nuclear club. Such a result is always declared unacceptable and a possible reason for military action with all options on the table. These are the terms that they put into your head to prevent upsetting the Mideast strategic balance dominated by the U.S. and Israel. 
And it was predictions of time and again come and gone. This chronicle of past predictions lends historical perspective to today's rhetoric about Iran. You understand, when they make a plan, they never gave up on it. They never changed their plans. It doesn't matter how long it takes. Fear for an Iranian nuclear weapon predates Iran's 1979 Islamic Revolution when the pro-West Shah Mohammad Reza Pavlavi was deep in negotiations with the US, France and West Germany on nuclear energy spending spree that was to yield 20 reactors. Late 1970s, US receives intelligence that the Shah had set up a clandestine nuclear weapons development program. That was the big excuse to use there. The Shah was ousted in 79 in the Iranian Revolution, ushering in the Islamic Republic. After the overthrow of the Shah, the U.S. stopped supplying highly enriched uranium to Iran. See, before they were supplying them to Iran, when they had put their own boys in, you understand? The revolutionary governments, guided by the Ayatollah Khomeini, condemned nuclear weapons and energy and for a time stopped all projects. He said it was wise, and you knew the con game of it. Soon after, West German engineers visited the unfinished nuclear reactor in Bashir, it was called, in 1984. Jane's Defense Weekly quotes West German intelligence sources saying that Iran's production of a bomb is entering its final phases. 1984. <laughs> U.S. Senator Alan Cranston claims Iran is seven years away from making a weapon. Then Israel paints Iran as enemy number one in 1992. Although Israel had secretly done business with the Islamic Republic after the 79 revolution, seeking to cultivate a Persian wedge against its local Arab enemies, the early 1990s saw a concentrated effort by Tel Aviv to portray Iran as a new and existential threat. Israeli parliamentarian Benjamin Netanyahu in 1992 tells his colleagues that Iran is three to five years from being able to produce a nuclear weapon and that the threat had to be uprooted by an international front headed by the US. In other words, the US has got to do the dirty work and pay for it too. 92, Israel Foreign Minister Perez tells TV that Iran was set to have nuclear warheads by 1999. But the whole history of it here, the same spiel over and over and over again. And folk don't have much of a memory, you see, so it works every time. From Hamish, myself, from Canada, as good nights, and may your God or your gods go with you.